and welcome to another episode of The Single Girl's Guide to Life. I'm Chantelle Dyson, a single life confidence coach, helping single women to be happy on their own and to not rely on a man to think that they need to be completed in any way. And we are going to track it back a little bit. And we're going to go back about three years or so and reflect on the time at which started all of this for me. If you are listening for the first time, you might not know all of the different things that have ever gone on, but there is a reason that I sit here week on week talking about all things single life. And whilst I won't go into the origin story quite, I do want to share with you the effect and what my life is now like three years on following a divorce at the age of 26. I have told the story or elements of the story before as to not realising what I'd really got myself into and feeling like I had followed this trajectory that you're meant to follow, inverted commas, that you're meant to tick off doing well at school, getting a good job, saving up enough and with a bit of help from family, buying a house and settling down with someone to create family life. And that story is often portrayed to a lot of us as to what's going to make us happy, what you should do, what it's like to be successful and how to set yourself up for the right things in life. But for me, it wasn't quite right. I had lots of those things. And whilst I wasn't incredibly, obviously unhappy, I also wasn't particularly happy and I was very indifferent about things and it just didn't mean anything in particular. As I say though, that kind of element of things I have gone over before and you can go back to some of the earlier podcast episodes, particularly to do with the quarter life crisis because that to me was a clear example of a quarter life crisis. Any of those crisis points are points at which you question your situation and your identity within them. And you find that there is some sort of mitigating factor that limits you in some way. And they're very different to one another, these different life crises. You may have very much heard of the midlife crisis, one of the most famous ones that people talk about. And you might even think, am I going for an early midlife crisis? Possibly, or you might just be going through a quarter life crisis. And the difference between the two is very much that the midlife crisis is to do with all of the commitments that you are probably in. And it's often in the scenario of being tied down to a job, being locked into a house because you've got a family that rely on you. And, and that's the midlife crisis. And whilst there are similarities with what I just described in terms of that trajectory, obviously, I don't have the family pressure of that. And yes, we decided to buy a house together. So I was in a long-term relationship and that was under question. The distinct difference about a quarter life crisis is that you are battling between what society says you should do versus what you should do. That's a very key bit. And there's two kind of elements to it, locked in or locked out. I was very much in a locked in because it is similar. I was in lots of commitments, whereas locked out is when you feel like you can't break into the thing that you're trying to get into. But as I say, a whole episode back, it's going to be early days that one. It's going to be episode one to eight, I would say. And if I'd prepared better, then you'd know the number. But I haven't because I'm very much giving you a raw version of what it is that really sticks out to me most about the journey of the last three years and the experiences that I went through. It's always interesting to me that now at the age of 29, literally nobody 
has any reason to imagine or presume that I have ever been married in my life. Getting divorced young sounds or can sound scary. It can be like, oh God, before the age of 30, like you've been married and you've been divorced. But ultimately, they're things that we worry about because we worry what other people will think. Actually, that status doesn't mean anything to me because you can put that you're divorced or you can put that you're single and they're not untrue either of those things. There's usually a point in dating where you bring up that you've been married before and you might talk about your beliefs about marriage and your intentions for the future and that's why that comes up at that natural point. It's not lying to not mention it at the very start. You don't need to walk in and go, by the way, I'm a divorced person. Some people may disagree with me on that and think that that's their entitlement to know the minute that you're swiping. I don't agree. I don't expect that from other people. But I have known other people tell me early on and feel a bit awkward about it. And that's okay. Ultimately, you're single and lots of people around you at such a young age assume you're single. And so some of that stigma around being divorced isn't necessarily apparent for me. Obviously, I know that's happened. My family and the friends that were there at the time happened, but new friends don't know. I literally spent a summer with new people, whether it was at Tomorrowland, whether it was overworking at festivals, being at festivals. Anyone that I met for the first time, unless I told them that story and some of my 20s, had no reason to assume otherwise. Just like you can't tell if someone's got any kind of partnership going on unless that conversation comes up. But why would they ever ask, have you been married before? Now, I appreciate it's very different when you have children. You may or may not have got married, but obviously there's then a very obvious other person that was at one point in your life, probably, although we all know that there are circumstances where that's not true uh, and that's different. And so I haven't had to experience that so much, but I also don't shy away from it. I'm sat here talking about it on a podcast and I do refer back to being divorced and there are pictures around that exist of me in wedding dresses. There is one on my windowsill, literally opposite me as I recall right now. It's me and my stepdad. My bouquet is framed downstairs in my bedroom. I don't hide this chapter of my life and some would respond differently to that. But to me, it was a chapter. And one of the biggest things that I have changed in my life and my outlook on life over the past three years is the concept of looking at life as a chapter. And I don't just say this because Carol Vorderman said it in a clip I shared on social media the other week. I've shifted towards this over the last three years because a video I did very briefly the other day that got reposted was thank you for coming to my TED talk and the spiel that I put with that trend was it's better to be divorced before you're 30 than it is to stay with the wrong person because people do worry about oh my god I'm going to be one of those people that's divorced under 30 like I don't know anyone like that so is that even a thing and I mean I definitely am to my knowledge, the only person in all of my friendship group that is of my age that is divorced. Some of them aren't even married yet, so like there's not an option for them, but I'm very much the only one and I don't know many under 30s that are divorced. So that is a scary thing. But I stand by what I said in that video or the statement that I made alongside that trend because it had got to a point where I could see that this life that involved this person 
was no longer the right person for me. Because a very flippant comment back would be, why don't you just marry the right person in the first place? And that, to me, is a harsh way of looking at things and unhelpful. It's also a little bit absolute. It believes and it works on this premise that there is a right person for you and that that person is right for you for your entire life. Well, we live on average to about the age of 80, 85 is something like the average. And that's a long time to keep somebody in your life. And this myth that exists around the idea of the one and having to stay together forever for something to be deemed successful or right is wrong. That person that I was with for seven years was right for me for a majority of that time. We had a wonderful section in our early 20s and mid 20s. Depends on where you look at it. We hit some bumps in the road. We were 20 year olds that were working stuff out. And no, I didn't get married with the intent of thinking I would get divorced ever, but not least that quickly. But I did because they were some of the choices I made and they were based on some of the things that happened in that time. Was that person wrong for me? In the end or at that age, yes. But at the age of 19, no. At the age of 20, no. At the age of 21, no. 22, no. 23, it's somewhere around 24 to 26. That that started to go into question with different events that went on. But whether they're right for you for a little bit or right for you for a longer bit, this idea around the one and long-term lifetime investments in people is something that I question. And this is where the chapter model is much more effective. There is no other relationship or situation that we place on our life so heavily than the idea of finding someone in your mid-twenties and expecting them to be there with you to the end of your time or their time. You don't look at jobs like that anymore. I don't know all the stats around it, but we know people don't start at 18 and stay till they're 68 like that anymore. There are going to be some. Everything I say is going to have a little, oh, but there's this person, oh, but there's that. I know that, but as a generalisation, pretty much not going to happen nowadays. Your friends don't often, unless you're very lucky, stay from the age of five through to 85. And if you do, you might get one or two. So this isn't a common thing. Think about all of the friends that you've ever had in your life, all the people that you've met at parties, that you've had experiences with at school, at uni, at different job places, how many of them have stayed consistent and will stay consistent to the end versus the people that have managed to stay from a point and are still around? Like what are the percentages of that based on all the interactions you've had? It sometimes makes me think that I really wish I hadn't cleared my social media out and had kept all my connections as it were just to be like oh god and really I only chat to five of these people a week yeah I've got 3,000 friends on Facebook and uh yet yeah, no <laughs> it is this to me ridiculous idea it's fantasy for the most degree and if you are one of those lucky people that gets to experience it then yes lady luck has come your way your cards were dealt very differently to ours or to anybody else's. And that's okay. 
but to strive for that and to see things as failures because they didn't last forever has been a shift that goes alongside this chapter element. Because your life does not get lived and stay the same exactly all day, every day till the end of time, in your life, the things around you will change. I will not live in this house to the day that I die. It is a wonderful space. And if I do end up living in it till the day I die, so be it. My point is, is that I don't think that's going to happen. I don't envision that for my life, whether I move location, whether I do end up with someone and buy a house with them, whether I just want to change the fact that I've only got one bed and I want a two bed. And even if I do stay here, this wall will change at some point, whether I swap all of the pictures out, whether I change the colour of it, whether I just go through an entirely different phase. All of those things change. And sometimes so do our partners. And it's horrible to hear, but it is a harsh truth. I don't think people like the idea that it ruins the image of family life. Because if you want children, if you want to raise a family, it's nice to have both parents around and to raise them together and to stay together as the children get older as well. However, I think even that I would go in with the idea that that's potentially a chapter because you just don't know what's going to happen in life. There are so many things that I have felt certain about that wouldn't change and yet I have been the one to go about and change them. So yes, I did become the one to initiate the separation with my ex-husband and ultimately sent myself into a situation where I was moving back home at 26. But I was adamant that my job was the most important thing to me and it was and suddenly so was my personal development and my daily routine. Everything became very regimented and I relied very heavily on my job and work to give me purpose as a teacher. I absolutely loved it. It gave me a reason to get up every day. It gave me a healthy distraction to some of the things that were going on so that I wasn't constantly worrying about what's happening with the house, how are we splitting everything, what are the legalities, what's happening with solicitors. It is heavy going through that experience. So difficult and you just feel like your life is upside down. But in those times, I thought some other things wouldn't change ever. Yet here I am three years later and now 10 months just under into having quit my job as a teacher because I also came to a realisation that I loved elements of it, but it wasn't playing quite to the creativity that I wanted and autonomy. I was very much bound, like every teacher is, to a teaching timetable. And that constraint to me was becoming too much. If you compare what I imagine an office job to be like, maybe it doesn't have as much touch points with children and you don't have like the ownership of the classroom you're given tasks to do but I'd like to think and I imagine that say you get into work at nine and leave at five like you can manage how some of that time is done yes you might have a meeting you've got to go to but between nine and ten you can get this task done if you want or you could move it down to between one and two if that's where you prefer to do it with teaching you have to be there at particular times for usually four out of five hours a day And that's if you haven't got a duty and that's if you're not running a five period day anyway. 
very determined, obviously, by schedules. And I just, I wanted to try something different. And it echoes some of the similarities and the desires that I had around my single life. I wanted to explore something else. I had been in that job for just over seven years. Don't get me started on the seven-year itch because there's seven years appearing twice in my life there. And I don't know what the evidence is. I'm sure I've read up on it before. Anyway, we all have probably heard of the seven-year itch. Whether it's actually true or not, who knows? But there is this essence and this sense of wanting to know more about the different options I have in my life. I'm not completely detached from teaching. I still do supply teaching and I absolutely love that. I've got two days that I know I'm in for. I know some of the lessons and I do cover for others. Other teachers would cry at the idea of doing cover on a regular basis. I like the lack of certainty of what you're going to get. And sometimes I roll my eyes when I see that I've got the same class, period one and period three for two different lessons. Sometimes it happens. But going through my divorce and taking the plunge with leaving became one of my strongest moves and it proved to me that I could do scary things. Generally speaking, I had always stayed in this lane of doing the right thing and doing the thing that you probably should do. I went to a high-achieving all-girls school. It was very much driven on good behaviour, good grades. There's very little behavioural problems in in a space like that when I very much compare it to my teaching in state schools. You have a lot more to manage in schools with lots of different attitudes, backgrounds and different genders in there. But this is very different when you go to an girls school and that kind of environment sets you up, I think, for a particular pathway. And no, not everyone follows it, but generally speaking, a similar pathway of high achievement. And to do that, you have to tick particular boxes and you end up feeling the same about life with that. But I needed to explore more. I needed a bit more. So when I then had got through my divorce and the dust had settled a bit more, other parts of my life started to come into question. And I <laughs> I do think uh, that will this ever stop? <laughs> and I'm not convinced it's going to. I think... Someone like myself that has that question about life that doesn't just want to accept what they're told is the best thing to do, but wants to have a very clear and direct experience and to have made that decision themselves is always going to, in the back of their mind, question, is this the right thing for me? And does it work? And what doesn't work? And you can just change the situation that you're in and adapt it and funnel it. But I couldn't see a way in teaching that meant I could get some of the creativity that I was really looking for an autonomy. There are a couple of things and jobs that I've learned about since that teachers could very easily go into, like curriculum design. That would be a wonderful thing. But again, I'm working for someone else and I think that drive for working for myself was there. But the actual character it built in me was that I could take calculated risks and probably be okay. So since the divorce and letting that settle... I have also quit my job, as mentioned, and I now do supply teaching amongst running deliveries for Amazon Flex, amongst working at festivals ad hoc and helping out with Amjam societies. Plus, of course, the main thing that I did that for was to run this full time, a mixture of coaching and single events 
for single women to make new friendships because I realised that was part of the thing that I had been looking for and what I relied on most during my single phase was the friendships that I had failed to properly maintain. I didn't break up with anyone friendship-wise per se. You had the natural drifting that I spoke about in the friendship breakup episode, maybe 15 to 20 episodes back or so. But I also failed to realise what it really took to be friends with someone and not just be an acquaintance. I learned a lot about relationships all round, whether it's romantic, platonic, family, friends. I learned a lot about interacting with people at work. So much interpersonal skill stuff that somehow I just... I didn't learn very well necessarily at school, had no need to learn there or even at uni. Some of it was coming to light now I think about it, but not clearly enough. There was clearly enough support circles for me to not be challenged in some of my ways maybe. But I learned a lot about developing true friendship, being there for others as much as they had been there for me and learning how to let people in to share some of the most vulnerable parts. And you might think that that seems like an unusual comment as I sit here sharing some vulnerable elements of my life to a public domain. But there will always be that deeper level that my friends very much get. And they get the live version, they get the daily confusion, upset, joy, wonder, happiness, depression. And I say depression in the sense of feeling depressed, not going through that medically. I think that's really important to understand. Learning how to maintain a friendship over time without getting to catch up with them all the time. Learning how to set boundaries with people and saying no to things that feel obligatory. It was all of these elements that meant I was continually working on my character, continually working on how I communicated with my community and how I developed a sense of support from those people and then how I went out there and had the courage to then boldly do the things that I've done since and not just quit my job. I also have bought this place. I am in a very privileged position. I superbly understand that. And it was thanks to the teaching job that I could do that. I've also gone out and done all of those fun things, the solo trips that you've seen. It does not phase me to go to things on my own predominantly. And I remember the first time that I did the solo trip, which was the road trip, which was Manchester, Dorset, Southend, Norfolk, a really random trip based on lots of different events, as opposed to it ever being a really overly planned thing before I did it. I remember that the the nerves of broaching the conversation that had been presented to me. I was in the pizzeria next door to the Albert Hall in Manchester, ahead of seeing Stephen Bartlett's Diary of CEO Live that I'd won tickets for. And I thought I would talk to someone at the event. But prior to that, I had been put on a table that faced the pizza ovens that was, you know, just for me or whoever else was there. But it was just me. But halfway through, someone did appear. And I knew this was my opportunity to have a conversation with them. 
And honestly, the overthinking that went through my mind of how do I start this conversation, the absolute nerves and my legs were going and I'm like, what am I going to say? I can't even remember what I said in the end. Are you here on your own was probably it. Maybe one of the earlier episodes where I recall this story would tell me and remind me. Maybe someone else knows the answers to that because I can't remember. But I did. I had that conversation. And ever since, I've just been a little bit better at broaching conversations with people in general and not being afraid to ask for help, to say hello. I'd never done that in a setting where it was like organised. So when we're working on a festival, I realise I'm going to come together with loads of people that I don't know working wise and we're going to get on. But we've got that common thing. We all know that we're there to work. And the same for when I went to Tomorrowland on that group experience. We're all there to enjoy the festival. So that's very different. I can muddle in with teams real easily, but I'm talking strangers. That this person that sat next to me might not have been going to the event that was next door, but I had my bets on that they probably were. That's why they're on their own. And they were. And, you know, that gave us a quick level of commonality that meant we then sat together during the event because it was open seating. And the rest is history. It was a very short-lived experience of getting to know them. And it was a nice little evening that I don't know if I'd have pushed myself to do quite so much in my relationship. And I've learned a lot about how to push myself out of my comfort zone and to generally keep one foot out of it or keep making sure that one foot steps over the line regularly so that you don't get too comfortable with things. Being comfortable to me is almost a point of danger where if you don't change things, someone else is going to or something else is going to come along and change it for you. So you might as well keep yourself in a state of, well, I'll just change that up and I'll keep trying things that way and doing it. It's exciting to me to do it and other people would freak out. But you realise that what's the worst that could happen? Like I put myself out there in comfort zone of the single girls club all the time. We we try a different event. We go to a new venue. Manchester didn't work the first time. People could have looked at that and said, you've got egg on your face, you've made a fool of yourself, why would you try and go to a different venue too soon? And all I keep getting told is that you guys want the single girls coming more places. And I'm like, I don't know, I clearly didn't get something right. I clearly didn't do something quite the right way that got people's attention. And we know that there was a very quick turnaround for that. So I went, okay, I'm going again, we're going to do it. And okay, if this keeps happening, then I've got to really look at why it's not happening really specifically and maybe it isn't right. But as I thought, it did go better. It had a longer run up. We did different techniques to get people to know about it. And voila, we had 15 people at the first Manchester event. And the second one, the new second one, is about to go ahead at the end of November. It's all about learning. And I touched on this a second ago when I spoke about the fact that I had learned so much about interpersonal relationships. But the other thing that I learned so much about during this time was about relationships. (laughs) I don't think I'm an expert, but compared to where I was at the start, I'm an expert. (laughs) I'm an expert compared to the 26-year-old Chantel that didn't have a bloody clue really. I look at things differently now. I'm very open to the different way that people do it, the different ways that I may do that, the different structures you have for relationships now. And I know so many of you that will be listening will run on the operation and that basic template that we're given, which is the trajectory to move through life together with one singular person, build that life and it will not falter. But as a child that went through divorce 
or the parents went through it, as someone that's gone through divorce. I just, I can't believe that. And there are so many factors that play into relationships. I don't mean to shatter people's dreams. I think I just take a realistic approach to what I think happens in life. And Rosie Wilby talks about this idea around long-term monogamous relationships as opposed to just having the one. And I do think that that's something I look at in that way. Is that the reason that I confirm my desire not to have my own children because children are a lifelong thing for me? Maybe. Or maybe I just really don't like the idea of being pregnant. That, that was an existence before I left my marriage. It was part of the thing that came up when the pressure of children came up. So that that's not a new feeling. Not okay with that. I actually think I could be a very good mother in terms of raising children. Yeah, I just don't, I'm not up for nine months of uh, <laughs> the hormones, the disruption to routine. I'm, I'm a great aunt or godmother character. I have the qualities that would work for that and it allows me to maintain some level of freedom still. And I'm happy to change my mind and accept that I say this today, but at 33 you could think things very differently and will face different challenges at that time if so. My outlook on life is different, not just for my life, but for everybody's life. Each to their own as long as you're not. Hurting people with intent, try not to hurt people. Try to be upfront. People get themselves in messes all the time, I, I understand. To me, the Chantel that has developed since is a completely different character to the Chantel of the early to mid-twenties. That's an entirely different person. We hold similar values, personality styles and things, but the actual amount of development that's there has been my most powerful thing and it's something that I continue to do. I like constructive feedback and I will listen to what people have to say about my approaches. And sometimes my approaches aren't going to suit everyone because we as people aren't made for everyone, whether that's a romantic partner, for the people we work with, for the audience that listen to or hear me because they come across some of my content. Not everybody is going to agree with what I say 100% all of the time. Uh, and sometimes they're just never going to agree with anything I say at all because I see things one way and they don't. But I'm not afraid to be who I am now. I am very much me. And I am very much stepping into that unapologetically and using it to my advantage, using it to bring you content, using it to design a life that allows me to do the things that I want to do and to live a life that I decide what makes it successful, what makes me happy within it, what is acceptable, where I need to spend my time. And I'm not going to get it right all the time. I'm not going to be perfect. I will change things and regret things and wish I'd done it differently at a certain point. But ultimately, we're all learning at any given moment. This has been a very personal one. There was no script for this. There was no bullet points. I'd vaguely done it the other day, but I have no idea what that piece of paper is. You've heard today some of the things that instantly come to my mind when I think, what has this time really done for me? And how have I changed as a person? And what experiences I've, have I gone through in the time that I have? Single life is all about some of these things and some of those things will resonate with you. 
Some of those things will suddenly become apparent to you that they're things. And some of you will have different experiences to what I have had going through a divorce or breakup or just being long-term single. It's why I'm here. It's why I do what I do. And for as long as I am single, but even when I then might find myself in a relationship, it will always be an important point to help the people that need to understand what it is that makes you as a person and it isn't your relationship status. It's about the people you have around you. It's about knowing who you are and stepping into that and going out there and living according to your standards every day, not somebody else's and making sure that you grow as a person and don't stagnate. That's what Chantel the Coach is all about. The Single Girls Club helps with the community part, with allowing you to embrace your single life and not be ashamed of it, but to step into it. It's the booster that gives you the courage to go out and do things on your own, alongside the support of so many other women. And this literally is why we're all here today, is to learn how to navigate life as a single girl. If you have any comments, questions or queries, then drop me a DM on Instagram. But otherwise, if you have enjoyed this podcast, could you do me a favour and just head to the subscribe button or follow button, depending on what platform you're on, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And if you want to really help me out, give me a thumbs up or a rating and so that we can help more and more people enjoy their single life. Until next time, everybody, keep celebrating single life together.